0: Hello everybody and thank you very much for tuning in. My name is Daniel Emerson and I'm the Director of Global Education at Felstead School. Welcome to the first sub-series of 10 podcasts that we are going to be delivering on the subject of global education and its impact around the world. Throughout the sub-series we will be focusing on a broad range of global topics, all through the lens of professionals who have international scope within their work and daily lives. We're doing this to try and unpack how global education, global competencies and character education have impacted their experiences so far. Today's guest is Lydia Carrington, trainee solicitor at Herbert Smith Freehills. Lydia was a student at Felsted School from 2006 to 2014. Her final year coincided with the school's 450th anniversary celebrations, during which time she enjoyed lunch with the late Duke of Edinburgh and Her Majesty the Queen. Lydia worked at Felstead International Summer School as the Operations Manager from 2016 to 2019. She holds a Master's degree in English Literature from the University of Edinburgh, And following graduation, she moved to London to complete postgraduate studies in law before commencing as a paralegal at the Challenger Bank Revolut and a training contract with global law firm Herbert Smith Freehills. Lydia, thank you ever so much indeed for being able to join us today. How are you doing?
1: Hi, Daniel. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. I'm doing really well, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you. Um Wonderful to be speaking with you today on the subject of, of global education, and indeed very appreciative of your time. Um, first of all, I was wondering, Lydia, if you could unpack your role a little bit. Just give us a bit of a context and flavor for what your work looks like as a trainee solicitor on a day to day basis.
1: Sure, I mean. In in summary, really, it it really varies um, based on where I'm currently sitting within the firm and also what matters I'm working on. So for those of you who aren't familiar with the route into law, um, you need to complete a training contract um, before you qualify as a solicitor in England and Wales. So I'm currently sort of mm, a year and three months into my training contract with nine months to go. Uh, My first seat was in the firm's employment team, uh, where I worked for a huge range of clients um, based both in the UK and across the globe, really, um, and alongside my colleagues who worked in those other jurisdictions as well. I then moved on to our general commercial litigation team um, for six months, which was really, really interesting. Um, focusing on litigation in the English courts, um, but really, really enjoyed that experience as well. And I'm currently sitting in the corporate division at the firm, focusing on public and private mergers and acquisitions. Um, So yes, very, very varied, depending on which division I'm sitting in really, and which clients I'm working for.
0: Could you tell us a bit more about that collaboration and working with people Um, within different parts of the the organization and and what that looks like I mean how attuned do you have to be to things like uh, cultural differences and and different ways of working?
1: Yeah absolutely so you do need to be very attuned to cultural differences particularly when working with clients or colleagues in some parts of Asia for example Um, and obviously like Liaising with people around the different time zones as well can often present a challenge because your advice needs to be very coordinated. Often the client has set a deadline, you need to work together, sort of managing those different time zones so that you're providing the advice in a timely manner. Um, But of course, we can only advise on the jurisdictions in which we are qualified in. So myself and my colleagues, we focus on the UK um, issues And then our colleagues in other jurisdictions will focus on the application of the law there to the issues of our clients. So by way of example, when I was in the employment division, we had lots of clients asking us for advice on whether you can mandate for employees to have the COVID-19 vaccination. And of course, the rules and regulations and laws on this topic varied vastly between the different operation between the different jurisdictions in which our clients operate. So it was a case of you know liaising with local council and colleagues in other offices so that they could provide a summary of the rules and restrictions and requirements in their jurisdictions. Putting all of these different um, issues and perspectives into one document, making sure that the advice flowed and that, you know, it was consistent across in terms of its style, in terms of the clarity and presentation. Um, And yeah, just making sure that any sort of areas in which we struggle to understand, we clarified those with our colleagues and with local council Um, And just try to produce a really helpful piece of coordinated advice for our clients who were obviously navigating very, very challenging times as an employer in a global pandemic. So it was it was really interesting and, and challenging, but very rewarding.
0: So it'd be good to focus on areas of your education that help you in your in overcoming those day to day challenges. So there will be many students listening to this who are interested in pursuing a career in law. And who might be focusing primarily on exam results as a route into that sector but what are the main skills and attributes you have acquired throughout your education that help you with the toughest areas of your work?
1: So I've always been someone who really likes to get stuck in um, in all of the opportunities that are available to me wherever I am so In a professional capacity, for example, I obviously fundamentally you have to enjoy the technical work um, and we are a service based industry. Our clients are our priority, but I really enjoy sort of doing the business development side of my role as well. So, you know, focusing on key developments or issues for clients within certain sectors, um, you know, really making sure that I'm keeping up to date with the law. Um, building the firm in terms of, you know, being a member of the firm's women um, trainee lawyers um, Mm -hmm. committee um, and putting on diversity and inclusions events through that role. And I feel like my enthusiasm in sort of being involved in all of these things outside of my day-to-day technical work really has been founded by my experience at school I was very, very fortunate um, to attend Felstead from 2006 right until I finished my A-levels. And I really, really got stuck in with everything that the school had to offer. Wasn't particularly talented at sport, but loved, you know, have really lovely memories of playing hockey and netball and rounders with all of my friends and against neighbouring schools. I did my Duke of Edinburgh award, I got very involved in all of the drama on offer there and and was very fortunate to be able to travel with that. And I think just being open to all of the opportunities available to you and and, and being happy to give it a go, even if it's not something that you're particularly successful at in the long term, I think having that openness of mind from an early age really sets you in good stead to embrace all of the opportunities that come your way later on. So,
0: So from that perspective... At what point did you realise that you wanted to, to work in law? Was that something that you'd considered as a student at Felsted, or was that something that came later on? Um, yeah, talk to us a little bit about that, Lydia, if you would.
1: Sure. So actually, um, it wasn't something that I'd considered seriously at all at school. I think because of my love for drama and public speaking and so on, And also my love for English literature, which is ultimately what I went to go on and study as an undergraduate. I always envisaged myself going down um, sort of an arts route. So um, and not necessarily, you know, creative, but um, perhaps journalistic. So for a while, I set my sights on becoming a broadcast journalist. Um, I actually completed some work experience with um ITN, amongst other broadcasters. And I have a huge amount of respect for broadcast journalists and editors and the work that they do. And I think responsible reporting is a very significant issue um, that we are considering at the moment, in particular, with the rise of social media. However, When I was doing my work experience with these broadcasters, I actually bumped into the on-duty lawyer. And um, I was absolutely fascinated in their role in sort of making sure that any content that was about to be broadcast um, didn't expose the company to risk. Um, I, I just found it really, really exciting and interesting. And that was the moment where I then considered that perhaps I could be interested in law rather than broadcast journalism. I went on and gained some work experience at other firms, both in Scotland and in England, given that I was studying in Edinburgh at the time. Um, And that really just confirmed for me that actually um, with my skill set, Um, I was quite suited to a career in law and actually I I found it a very exciting prospect working for a big global company such as Herbert Smith Freehills.
0: In order to achieve that though, Lydia, I mean, you have an inherent um, motivation and drive and enthusiasm with with almost everything that you do. For students who perhaps don't have that or are looking to build knowledge, skills and experience in those areas that are integral to um, pursuing opportunities um, in sectors uh, that they might not be familiar with. What sort of advice or tips might you give to to those students?
1: I think I think there's a lot of pressure on students, um, particularly as you approach your final years at school to have an idea of what you might like to do. In your career. And I mean, I I, I was the same. I I chose to study English literature because I thought I'd like to be a broadcast journalist. And actually, um, I've not ended up becoming a broadcast journalist. I ended up going on and studying law after my undergrad and training to be a solicitor. And I don't know what the future holds. I, I, I very much hope that I enjoy a long and successful career in law. However, I'm very aware that that career path um, isn't followed by everyone who enters into the legal profession and that there are lots of other opportunities um, that might come my way later down the line. So I think my advice to students would be it's great to have a direction but don't fret if you're unsure what direction you are traveling in and be open to opportunities that come your way. Have discussions, show interest in the work that other people are doing as and when you come across them because you never know it might be a role that you'd never contemplated before like I had um when I was at ITN and you actually find it very interesting and you want to learn more and then you know that discussion can open up other avenues of inquiry and you know I think there are jobs that will exist in the future that don't exist yet as you know science and technology and sectors and businesses sort of grow and expand and adapt to the changing society that we live in. So I think sometimes it can be almost too dangerous to have a very fixed direction and you just need to have a very open mind about these things.
0: We're talking predominantly about global education in this series Um, and that means that term global education means different things to different people. What does that term mean to you, Lydia? And how important do you think that is to students in the education system today?
1: For me, I think global education is having an awareness and to the extent possible, an understanding of issues that affect people who are in positions um, and in countries and cultures that are dissimilar to the, your own. Um, and I think I'm really pleased that this is a discussion that young people are having now because I think it does equip you for a very successful career and whatever you decide to do. If you are able to show an understanding, a respect, empathy in some cases towards people from other walks of life, because at the end of the day, The organizations in which we end up spending a vast amount of our life in um, are built up by a collection of individuals who do come from all different walks of life, who have had these different experiences and that's what makes the team stronger and I think being able to understand and appreciate and value the different experiences of others from a very young age is only going to be advantageous when you join these much lar- larger organizations later down the, the line, because I think to a certain extent at school we can be quite sheltered. Um, you know, often when you're a teenager, for example, you're surrounding yourself with people who come from a similar background to you. Um, of course, school at schools like Felsted. Um, you have the advantage of being able to study alongside students who have moved um, to the UK to continue their education and and that's really fantastic but in the vast majority of cases you are sort of spending most of your time with people who come from a very similar background to your own um, and you're sharing the same experience and when you move on to university it can be very eye-opening because you meet people from many different backgrounds and many different walks of life and from a huge number of countries. And I think having an awareness that those different walks of life exists whilst at school is really important.
0: So just to flip that on its head, then, what more do you think schools could be doing to allow for more opportunities for for students to learn in that way?
1: I think schools should be encouraging collaboration, both both, between students at the school but also between schools and between schools in different parts of the country between different countries um I think the value of the pandemic is that we've all learned how to operate you know remotely <laughs> I mean the students listening to this podcast have probably completed two years of their studies entirely remotely and I think Whilst that was very challenging in, in the circumstances of the pandemic, it's actually now paving the way for huge opportunities looking forward. Because we do realise that it's easy to connect with people online, that you can produce fantastic results if you all come together and collaborate over Zoom, for example. Um, and I, I think schools should really be looking to build those connections with other schools and and creating a network so that students can collaborate and they can meet each other and they can discuss these issues, um, very important issues, um, even if it has to be remotely in, in most cases.
0: Lydia, thanks ever so much for uh, for coming back to me on those questions today. I did just have um, one final thing to ask you. When uh, I've spoken to many of our other guests, I've asked for something that has inspired them that they can with, share with our audience? So perhaps a film or a book or an album or a podcast or all of the above. Um, is there anything that you would like to share that has inspired you recently?
1: Oh, this is a really good question. Um, I often find it quite difficult to pinpoint a particular book or film or album that I feel has had a profound influence on me um so I think instead I'd like to mention a podcast that I often listen to on my commute into work um it's called How to Fail by Elizabeth Day and Elizabeth is a very talented writer who interviews people from a range of backgrounds and professions and experiences and and of a range of ages as well. Um, And she basically asks them to discuss their failures in life. Um, And it's done very, very well because it it teaches you how to reflect both on the success that we occasionally come across in life and, and which it's very important to acknowledge, But it also teaches us how to celebrate the failures and see how and and, and to put them in context, really, um, and understand that, you know, when we do come up against adversity or challenges, how to respond in a way that actually this is not a barrier to success, but actually a different route to success um, down the line. Um, And I think listening to the various experiences of her guests really does inspire me on a day to day basis, because, you know, whether it's in my professional, personal life, we do come across challenging situations regularly. And it just helps me to contextualize those situations and respond to them in a more effective way, I hope. (laughs) Lydia,
0: Lydia, thank you so much for sharing that. And once again, thank you very much indeed for your time. It's been wonderful speaking with you as always.
1: Thanks very much for having me, Daniel. It's been an absolute pleasure
0: wonderful stuff and thank you everybody for listening i'll look forward to sharing our next podcast with you very very soon all the best for now
1: thank you for listening to this episode of the first Dead talks podcast series we hope you enjoyed it our next episode is coming out soon so don't forget to follow and subscribe so you can stay in touch